Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, Dan Favalli of Bleacher Report gives his midseason grades for each franchise. Find out what the Charlotte Hornets got. Also, we debut a new game. It's the box score, bromance, maybe battle, beat down, something with alliteration. We'll do that in the final segment of today's show and this. I love when you pull up the Hornets roster and Cody Zeller's Google picture is him bleeding from the forehead. That's awesome. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. Got to say, I'm a little disoriented with all the Carolina Panthers news that's coming about the last couple of days. Really, the offseason for the Carolina Panthers has been here for about two weeks, and I keep get, I, I keep getting hit in the head with a bunch of different news that's coming about. We have the new hire in Matt Rule. Then it's the offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, fresh off a college football championship, and everybody's riding high after Joe Brady is the new OC. Then Luke Keekley retires literally two hours after that. And it feels a little weird to talk about the Charlotte Hornets because, quite frankly, there's not a lot of people discussing the Charlotte Hornets right now, given all the news surrounding the Carolina Panthers. And it's funny, like, oh, yeah, they have a game tonight against the Denver Nuggets. But Luke Keekley just retired, Doug. It's crazy over here. Pretty appropriate that you are getting hit on the head with all of this news because that's one of the reasons why the Carolina Panthers will now be without one of their greatest players of all time. Yeah, concussions being a big part of that. That was an interesting transition there. But Luke Keekley getting a, Segway. A yeah. It's called a radio Segway. Well, and, and I saw I'm feeling Josh better, by the way, if you didn't notice. I have come out of – I had a sinus infection – I didn't want, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a private person, so I don't talk about my health issues often on the show. Um, but when I, now I'm healthy, and I think people are going to notice a change in me today. So I just wanted to kind of go, go ahead and get that out of the way um, that Doug is unleashed on this show today. So watch out. So you made a probably ill advised concussion transition and also wanted to steal away some of the good things I was going to say about Luke Keekley and his time here in Carolina. Ill advised. So know that you feel better. Because because you dodged a sinus infection is what you're trying to say. I, I think I'm. I think it was not ill-advised. I think it was perfectly advised. It's unbelievable. That is. That's my. Producer. I'm glad for Luke. I'm. I'm happy for Luke. I mean, this it's a I'm dangerous game. Too. You wanted to steal his thunder. You wanted to steal all the good feelings that we might send his way by allowing everybody to know, hey guys, I'm okay. We, we fine. Fine. I'm glad you're on the show. This is, this is a Hornet show. I'm a, a host of a Hornet show. I think people care more about the host of a Hornet show than they do about Luke Keekley if they're listening to Locked On Hornets. I'm sorry. Sorry, Luke. Josh, Eber- Josh Eberly tweeted out that Charlotte is going to lose Kimba Walker and Luke Keekley, and also we're going to have the possibility of losing Cam Newton all within one year. I, I can't imagine another city having gone through something Losing those type of pillars, losing the best player in franchise history regarding Kemba Walker, possibly the best player in Carolina Panthers history, probably along with Steve Smith, Julius Peppers, Cam Newton. I, he's he's certainly there. I think he's the best player. Uh, maybe not most important, but whatever. We don't have to debate that on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Just to lose guys of that magnitude, it's insane what Charlotte's gone through. And I feel like a lot of people listening to the podcast certainly have feelings towards the Carolina Panthers and Luke Keekley retiring from the NFL. Well, I think it's an interesting situation in that Charlotte fans forever, really, have had to take their own victories 
on on you know sporting achievement because we haven't won Super Bowls. We've been in a couple of Super Bowls, but we haven't won Super Bowls. We've never been to an Eastern Conference Finals. So we've had to find these little small victories when players unexpectedly rise to the occasion, or in Cam Newton's case, he probably expectedly rose to the occasion and became MVP of the National Football League. Kimball Walker became an all-star a little unexpectedly, and we take those wins and we guard them. We keep them close because we kind of have to. So it is an interesting thing when you do lose all of that, but at the same time, it's like, for what? You know, it's not like, oh, well, Cam's gone and Luke's gone, but at least we got those Super Bowl victories. <laughs> nope. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, losing all of those pillars, let's please not get distracted by that when the real story is Doug feeling a little bit better from his sinus infection. This it's is crazy, baby. It's crazy what medicine, what modern medicine can do. It's presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson LOH. Find our show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. So Dan Favalli of Bleacher Report came out with a bunch of grades, midseason grades on every single NBA team. And I, <laughs> I've always loved Dan Favalli's work, despite me calling him Dan Favalli all the way at the beginning of the first time I ever interviewed him in 2013 until last year when I heard him on a podcast and he introduced himself as Dan Favalli. I always thought he was Dan Fable. Fable goes west. I think he's very good. He's got an article about the Charlotte Hornets as he does with every single franchise in the NBA. So a lot of stuff here, basically what I took from about the four paragraphs he wrote on the Charlotte Hornets was simmer down a little bit on your love for the Hornets and what they've done. But never there is something accomplished here. He goes that that we can at, we can give credence to them performing better than expectations. But the fact that everybody is absolutely in love with what they are, maybe that's a little bit too much. So they're great overall. I, I believe I'm trying to figure out the grade. It's B. It B. OK, so yeah, I just gave, I just put it in the rundown. My bad. <laughs> right, thank you very much. That's my producer. Uh, he, they, he gave them a B on the season so far. And is that fair? That's the question yeah, we have. You know, we have to ask that question immediately. Is that a fair grade? Okay, I think it's fair. Absolutely. Given the expectations coming into the season, Devontae Graham flourishes for a long time at the beginning and then has that slump. But overall, very positive from Devontae. Very positive from PJ Washington. Not so much with Miles Bridges. Really up and down from Malik Monk. Yada yada. We can go down every single one of these lists. Uh, one of the li- on the player. We can go down every single player on the list. I should say, but. For the most part, yeah, I think overall pretty positive given the expectations. Doug, I'll flip it. What do you think about the grade? Oh, I think it's a fair grade, and and mostly because you have all of this young talent performing well above expectations, and that has caught the attention of guys like uh, Dan Favel, who see Devontae Graham playing well, and they go, okay, yeah, maybe he slumps here and there, but this is a guy that's that's going to play well in in season's future. And I tell you, a big part of this, Walker, in my mind, is guys just being ready for this season. They were they they got in the training room early. We had reports, you know, at summer league that that the young guys, Devontae Graham, um, uh, Dwayne Bacon. P.J. Washington, all getting in and getting fit before the season. And getting fit is important, Walker. And if you want to get fit in 2020, you don't have to join a gym. You don't have to pay a ton of money for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in the best shape of your life is with our friends over at Echelon. 
Go to echelonfit.com right now to discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high quality at-home cycling experience at less than half the price of a Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, busy moms and dads, first responders, elite athletes, whatever your activity level, Echelon has got you. And with daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in a gym. You're going to love Echelon, but if you aren't 100% satisfied, they'll give you your money back. Don't worry about that. Don't pay a ton for a Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for under $1,000. Here's what you do. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A to learn about their limited time, free Apple iPad, and complete details of this exclusive offer to listeners of this podcast. Echelon, it's your time. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N, fit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. Please support our sponsors, guys. When you do that, it allows us to do a show every single day. When you support our sponsors, you support us just as equally. So Segway, it's called a radio Segway. I want to read the first paragraph of Dan Favalli's paragraph on the Charlotte Hornets. He goes, quote, Be wary of overvaluing the Charlotte Hornets' first-half performance. Their proximity to the playoff picture says more about the Eastern Conference than this Cinderella run that isn't. Charlotte is 26th in net rating against one of the league's 10 easiest schedules that isn't exactly worth throwing confetti over. Life will only get harder if Devontae Graham's jumpers don't start falling at a ridiculous clip again. And then he puts in parentheses, slump trackers will be happy to know he detonated for 27 points while shooting 8 of 13 from deep in Charlotte's January 13th loss to the Portland Trailblazers. Then he ends the first paragraph with, on the flip side, Devontae Graham, anyone? We can get into a little bit more on what he says about Devontae Graham, but more so focusing on the easy schedule, the fact that they rank 26th in net rating, the fact that we maybe shouldn't be overvaluing the first half performance of the Hornets? Do you think all of that is fair by Dan Favalli, Doug? Well, I have a couple of questions. Number one, what is worth throwing confetti over? I mean, do we even, do we throw confetti still? Is that a thing? I mean, I know they sell confetti, but it feels like you got, it's got to be a pretty big deal to throw confetti. Like I'm not throwing confetti on someone for their birthday. I'm not doing it on an anniversary. (laughs) That might give me a divorce if I threw confetti on producer Katie for an anniversary. No way. Second question, slump trackers. Is that a thing? Do people do people track slumps? I mean, Dan, Dan Fable just throws this out here. Slump trackers. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, of course, all of the slump trackers out there tracking slumps in the NBA. When you mentioned that you were feeling better, I immediately thought about going to my closet and getting out the confetti to toss it. But other than that, I can't think of anything else that I would consider throwing confetti over. But Getting over your sinus infection, that was the biggest thing that at least I thought of. Let's talk a little bit more about Devontae Graham next on the Locked On Hornets podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. I feel like Cody Martin is the perfect guy to go down there right now as much as anybody is. Yeah, you no, like I know. That yeah, no, I definitely. Sorry, Martin. I didn't know you were tossing me there. Yeah, I definitely, okay. I definitely think that. Was uh, that a me problem or you a problem? Were you just not listening, or were, was I just that I didn't set you up? Oh, I totally wasn't. Li- well. I wasn't listening to you okay. at all. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. So Dan Favalli ends the first paragraph discussing Devonte Graham. He also goes into a second paragraph saying, "Quote his breakout." has given the Hornets access to a more promising timeline. Luka Doncic and Trey Young are the only other players averaging as many points, assists, and made threes per 36 minutes. For real. 
and Graham is not the benefactor of an easier role. He's hitting the same types of shots. Only Young, James Harden, Damian Lillard, and C.J. McCollum have attempted as many pull-up jumpers as Devontae Graham. Looking at what Devontae has provided this team, if you were to throw confetti over the performance in the first half of the season from the Charlotte Hornets, I think in large part it would be because of the way that Devontae Graham has developed. And again, I think Dan Vivali makes an impressive point about Devontae. He doesn't have an easier role. He is hitting extremely difficult shots. Not only is he hitting the pull-up jumpers, but he's also pulling up from almost as deep as Trey Young is. It's certainly not at that frequency, but we've seen him hit a bunch of shots from way deep, like 30-footers, 35. I mean, we're seeing crazy distance shots from Devontae Graham, and it's been impressive to watch. Yeah, and, and they've gotten more difficult, I think. I mean, teams are throwing more defense at him. They're throwing double teams at him occasionally. They're trying to force the ball out of his hands. They're recovering quicker to him when he has an open look that would have been a wide-open look earlier in the season has now become just sort of your standard NBA Challenge 3. And he's adjusting. Like, I don't think he's all the way there. But you heard Kimball Walker uh, when they, back when they played Boston uh, at the beginning of the year, or right before the beginning of the year, Kimball Walker said, hey, that's a sign of respect. That's a sign that defenses understand that you're not a fluke. Because I, th- I think NBA defenses and players, generally when they get you on the scouting report, I think they don't take you seriously at first. I think they say, I don't know, this guy, Devontae Graham, second-round pick out of Kansas, he was a four-year senior, I don't know if this guy's got the goods. And so they give you a little time, and then once you start lighting them up over and over and over like Devontae Graham did early in the season, then they catch up and say, okay, we got we to gotta take this guy seriously. And now you're seeing Devontae Graham try to adjust to that and get his shot, his rhythm back uh, from that tough defense that he was seeing, uh, that he's been seeing over the past couple of weeks. There's two moments of disrespectfulness that I've seen in the NBA that makes it that comes to mind when you say, oh, he doesn't have the goods. It reminds me of Kobe Bryant calling out Jeremy Lin saying, look, I'm, I'm Kobe. You know, who is this Jeremy Lin character? And then I believe they beat the Lakers and he goes for 30. And also, Doug, it reminds me of Nick Batum guaranteeing a victory against the then lowly Philadelphia 76ers and then TJ McConnell postgame interview feeling some type of way about it and calling out Nick Batum and in an angry way, man, he was mean mugging like hell in that camera saying, you know, we're not going to get picked on. We're not going to be disrespected. That's what it reminds me of as much as anything. Maybe that's what ended the Nick Batum era. Maybe that's sneakily <laughs> just complete. Like Nick was like, all right, forget it. I can't, Yeah, I, just I can't even guarantee a win against the lowly Sixers pre, you know, pre the, the, uh, the, the ascension of the process. So right. forget it. When T.J. McConnell was getting significant minutes in a big way, like when that was somebody that you had to pay attention to, and you get owned by him, that probably was the demise of Nick Batum. Dan Vivali also writes this about Graham, quote, leveraging Graham's off-the-dribble work and outside touch opens the floor for everyone, especially inside the arc. P.J. Washington hasn't yet figured out how to hit twos without him, which we haven't really discussed. Uh, Terry Rozier is nowhere near as impactful when he doesn't have Graham to soak up primary ball handling duties. We have talked about that a little bit more, where Terry Rozier struggles a little bit more when Devontae Graham is sitting on the bench. We haven't talked as much about P.J. Washington's struggle. Doug, should we hold off on P.J. Washington and our love for him because of the numbers that he has when Devontae sits? Or do you think, no, it's just better players getting the best out of other players, and that's normal in the NBA? Well, I think there's a universe you know, out there in the multiverse where you don't get this ascension from Graham. 
He's still a streaky shooter off the bench that you can't really depend on for ball handling duties. And Rozier is your primary guard, and he's pounding the air out of the basketball. They're not doing very well, but they are working it more into P.J. Washington and giving him more responsibility in the offense, and maybe he is the one that has that great start and defenses have to adjust to him. But P.J. Washington has been one of the big beneficiaries where uh, he's got some great looks in the post and uh, and from mid-range uh, where he's not he's only getting that single guard and he's he's getting some good pick and roll action occasionally with with both um, with both Rozier and Graham where he's getting free looks at the rim that I don't think would be so free if you didn't have the threat of Devontae Graham where everybody's looking for that guy right like I think Terry Rozier probably benefits from Devontae being on the floor more than what PJ does and I, I don't I wonder what Terry Rozier does if Devontae isn't like this. I wonder what the numbers look like because I think a lot was made of his field goal percentage being below 40, having never been above 40 before this season with the Charlotte Hornets. And then we found out that, oh, he's a tremendous uh, tremendous catch-and-shoot guy. And so now when you look at Terry Rozier kind of going into that role, I think it says a lot about his adaptability. I think he should be praised for that. But also maybe we don't find out about his uh, catch-and-shoot ability without Devontae Graham being the primary ball handler. Devontae wasn't the starter at the beginning of the season. So I think there's some things that we should praise Terry for, but also it probably is true that Terry isn't playing nearly as well as he is right now without the ascension of Devontae. Yeah, I'm looking at these numbers that um, uh, Favale is referencing here. And with Devontae Graham on the court, P.J. Washington has a field goal percentage of 50% and a three-point percentage of uh, essentially 40%, so 50-40. When Devontae Graham is off the court, the three-point percentage actually goes up to 43.8% on 32 attempts, but his overall field goal percentage goes down to 40%, which tells you, without having to look up the exact two-point percentage, that he that he's not hitting twos when Devontae's off the court. And that's exactly what Dan Turkoglu said. Uh, he also is <laughs> unearthing another. Okay, okay, that cough. Uh, I'm not quite all the way there. I'm not a hundred percent. Exposed you. That was a well. It was a laugh cough. It was a laugh that uh, that was trying to get out of me and and hit a rough patch there on the road out of my mouth. <laughs> the the final paragraph that he writes here, <laughs> up uh, and, and what it ends the reading portion of our show. Quote, unearthing another potential cornerstone in the immediate aftermath of Kimba Walker's exit is huge for the Hornets. They deserve to be trolled for how his departure played out, eh. but they're on pace to win about 29 games when most wondered whether they could sniff 20. That's not nothing. What was your... Yeah, that's not nothing. That's not nothing. That's not nothing. I'm going to make a flag on and fly it in Spectrum Center that says that's not nothing, and then under it it says Dan Favely. Nuggets preview also promoting a new segment, maybe not promoting it, but we can debut it. Um, we can do that next segment here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. It's going to be the box score bromance battle beatdown because, beat down. yeah, because we'll, alliteration we'll, uh, is awesome. <laughs> we'll talk about it next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. 
that is so Stu God's form that you were about to make fun of people for their opinions of people changing their body and then mid making fun of other people doing that you said I will say this though mm-hmm. the guy that I think his body changed that's correct yeah well little, you're right but little known fact about me I have 20-40 vision so okay. um, that me I'm pretty sure what, or is it 40-20 vision whatever means that I have great like eagle eye vision that's Eagle Eye Cherry, by the way. Great underrated band of the 90s. Save Tonight, one of my favorite songs. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I like box score bromance. Alliteration is cool, so constantly we have to try to figure out what works the best as far as these names go. And Doug took that to a, a whole different meaning of alliteration is cool. So he wants to go box score bromance battle beat down. Boom. Man, I I want to go with just the bromance. No, well, that's pick- you know that's why you have me on this show because I take it to the next level, and then I'm not satisfied with that, and I take it to the next next level. You see, the reason I'm so excited right now is because when I'm sick, I don't drink coffee. It doesn't appeal to me when I'm sick for some reason. And I drink a lot of coffee, but I, I tend to go towards the tea and honey helps with the throat, whereas the coffee kind of dehydrates me. So I don't I don't do that. But then. As I'm coming out of the sickness, I then I get that taste again. I want that coffee. And so I start to drink the coffee, and it's like putting a stick of dynamite up my heart because I am just jazzed. And that's why you got to go bromance, battle beat down. I'm going to go with box score bromance. Battle beat down. Yeah, we each draft one Hornets player we believe will have the best box score line, and the Hornets player we believe will have the lowest score. The stipulations are that you have to have a minimum of 10 minutes played for each of these players. And if they don't reach 10 minutes, then you are DQ. You are out of here. Then you both lose and then you or you tie. And then maybe you can carry that over to the next game. I don't know. Uh, of course, if one is DQ'd, then uh, you automatically lose to the person that was not DQ'd. Uh, do those rules make sense, Doug? I guess. I mean, it's, I mean, I wrote them, so I hope they make sense. Uh, but yeah, okay, so essentially good. it's it's kind of a little daily fantasy here, but it gives us a chance to talk about the game. We'll collect these over time, maybe maybe now until the end of the season, and we'll see who, who has the most victories. Uh, but essentially it's points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, minus turnovers. And I guess it would be plus turnovers on the low score. You'd flip that. So all the all the pluses become minuses. All the minuses become plus because you want the low score on the on the low score. <laughs> now you wrote them. Yeah, I, did, I didn't write them, right? You wrote It'll them, make so. sense tomorrow yeah. when we talk about this. But by sure. the way, Hornets play the Nuggets tonight in Denver, last game of the road trip. So we can we can kind of bake in our analysis and our in our picks here. But this is a snake draft. I don't know if you mentioned that little snaky draft, which means you get the first pick on the high score and I'll get the first pick on the low score. So I want to be sneaky with this first pick. I actually kind of wish that you had the first pick because Devonte has to be the easy go to answer. Uh-huh. Jamal Murray is not very good at defense, and uh-huh. we can think. Uh, Adam, is it Maris? Is that how you pronounce no, his last Maris. name? Maris. Blue? Maris. Maris. Adam Favalli of Locked On <laughs> Nuggets says that Jamal Murray is not very good at defense, and teams are attacking him relentlessly, putting him on an island, and pantsing him off the dribble. He didn't edge. say that. That's not a quote. I put that in the run. That's my analysis of yeah, his analysis. Totally. <laughs> I don't want to put those words in Adam Maris's mouth because yeah. uh, he did not yeah. say that exactly. But he has sent when I listen to it, 
on Locked mm-hmm. on Nuggets. He essentially said that. So, yeah, Adam said that Jamal, and, and you can take this as a direct quote, what Adam said is that Jamal Murray is absolutely getting paid. Who are you picking? When he puts an eye. So I'll go Devonte because Devonte is, you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's got to be the default pick. Mm-hmm. But, man, I got a sneaky little pick that I wanted to put in there. But mm-hmm. I, I got I to be smart. I got to go Devonte with the best box score. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you did because for my high score, I'm actually going to go Rozier here. I think that Rozier actually, they're going to expose the Rozier-Jamal Murray matchup occasionally. And I think Rozier actually comes out over Devontae Graham in this game. Sometimes they tend to trade performances. It's, you know, when they're both on, the Hornets are, I won't say unbeatable, they're certainly beatable, but they become much more difficult to beat. But they they sort of take turns um, shooting well, and I think this is Rozier's turn tonight. So I'm going to go Rozier from a high score. Can I tell you who I wanted to pick second, though? I mean, if you would have gone with the first pick, I guess if you would have gone with Terry, I would have gone Devontae. But Malik Monk, in two games against the Nuggets last year, scored 32 points. He scored 16 in each of the matches against the Denver Nuggets. So possibly Malik Monk could be someone that has a good game. Now, it's not like he's been getting a lot of minutes here recently, so maybe that's something that would scare you away from choosing Malik Monk. But in the loss, 123-110 to last year, Malik had 16 points, 6 of 11 from the field, a few rebounds, a couple of assists, did have three turnovers. And remember, in the win last season, it was the probably, I don't know if it was the best win for the Hornets, but certainly was one of the best wins on the season. Malik went 5 of 12 from the field, 3 of 8 from three-point land. Didn't do much else after that, including no turnovers, by the way, but did get 16 points. So Malik Monk, a couple games where he actually did perform pretty well against Denver. That would have been my sneaky pick. All right, it's a snake draft. Doug, who is your low man on the totem pole? All right, this is interesting. Picking the low man is actually the more interesting pick here because, again, the 10-minute rule uh, really puts a wrinkle into this because we've seen Malik Monk turn in performances where he doesn't get 10 minutes, gets about 7 or 8, so that's a danger. Nick Batum's been getting more minutes recently, and they haven't exactly uh, been lighting the box score on fire those minutes. Uh, but he's always a danger of just not playing at all, and that would DQ the pick. And then you've got this interesting situation with Bismack Biombo right now. We don't officially know his status, although he was cleared to play against uh, the Portland Trailblazers and did not play. So if I pick Biombo, that's a danger. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going to go just just because it feels right in this scenario. Because I always I get upset about Cody Zeller. You know, no, being, being lauded, being lauded for his ability to somehow mystically affect games despite putting nothing in the box score. So I think for this inaugural round, he's been playing well. So this isn't exactly a smart pick, but I'm going to go for it. I'm going to say Cody Zeller gets the low score for the Hornets. We got to find a way to put screen assist as part of the evaluation. And, and let me say, game. he doesn't have to be the lowest. He just has to be lower than your player. He doesn't have to That's be the true. lowest on the team. I, he just has to be lower than whoever you pick. But but you're trying to pick the lowest on the totem pole. I mean, it's not wrong to say that's who you're trying to pick. I mean, of course, you don't have to be the lowest. You're just trying to beat me, so you're not going to. Well, pick so this is in my. Worst, if right? we're doing like the Price is Right analogy, this is my dollar. I'm going dollar because I think you're going to go over. Well, I would, no, you can't pick a dollar first. That makes no sense. Do you uh, not know how to well, play prices, right? No, I'm like, I'm like Holhauser. I'm like Holhauser on Jeopardy. I, I hack the game. I do things a little bit differently because I know the game. I so know I, you're going to go over. Holhauser lost. 
us. Do you not? You don't know game uh, okay, shows. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is a good. I'm glad you brought this up. This is a great discussion. I'm glad you brought this up because I've been watching the Jeopardy challenge. You just gave it away. Spoiler alert. Whole Hauser loses. We won't tell you who wins. But Whole Hauser lost, but he won. <laughs> I just did. I think you don't listen. I think I just did, but go ahead. I may have been talking over you. So, <laughs> okay. Holhauser lost the battle, but he won the war because he changed the way Jeopardy was played. And in fact, Ken Jennings, who did win, ah, crap, I spoiled it. Ken Jennings, who did win, was playing the Holhauser way. <laughs> he, ch- he changed how people played the game, including Brad Rutter. Rutter would have never gone all in as many times as he did it had it not been for Holhauser coming in and changing people's strategy. That's what I'm saying. I I have the galaxy brain. I'm thinking ahead of you. Who's your low score? No, I, so I, I who's my $2 answer, essentially? I can just go $2. I'm psyching you out, baby. Yeah, you're, you're not. Uh, I did like the Cody <laughs> Zeller answer, though. I was probably going to go with Cody Zeller because I thought maybe, remember, Biz actually got some weird playing time, I believe, against the Nuggets last year. He did. It was 30 minutes that he played in that loss to the Denver Nuggets. And then in the first game, uh, Bismack Biombo, I don't think did get any run, but it was because they needed the defensive presence in the second game against Nikola Jokic. So I actually like that. Um, oh, man. I think my guess is going to be I'll go Nick Batum. I, we know how bad he is in the box score. He shouldn't be getting a whole he's lot due. of points. We know he's not going to take a whole lot of field goal. I know. I think. Well, I, I think he was due just he did his last game. Like been, nine points that he's been he got. due for that years. Was Nick a huge performance. Nick Badu. <laughs> it's the Lockdown Hornets Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thanks for listening. And remember you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with the Denver Nuggets recap tomorrow.